0: You know, one of the primary reasons we do what we do, one of the primary reasons why we provide this opportunity for you guys to come together week in and week out to worship is, one, for you to be exposed to the gospel if there are those here in this place that don't have a relationship with Jesus. We desire nothing more than for that to become your true and present reality, for you to have a relationship with Jesus. But for those of you that are born again, we want you to have the opportunity to worship your Savior. We want you to have the opportunity to grow in your faith and deepen in your walk and in your closeness and in your intimacy with Christ. And as a church, as we come together collectively, we do all these things and we worship together and we gather together and we bear each other's burdens and we share each other's joys. But in the midst of all that, we would agree is The challenge and the mission that Jesus set apart for those of us who have been redeemed, which is to go into all nations and make disciples, to carry his name, to carry his gospel, to raise his banner over our campuses, to raise his banner over our homes, to raise his banner over our dorms, over our apartments, over our teams, all the places in which he has allowed you guys to have a sphere of influence as a born-again follower of Jesus the command is glaring to go and make disciples. So we cannot be satisfied, we cannot be fulfilled just by simply coming together each and every week and hoarding Jesus amongst ourselves. That's only half of what we get to enjoy with the calling that he has given us. It goes beyond these walls, it goes beyond this community to where it spills out into all these areas, to where we carry the name of Jesus and his gospel message with us everywhere that we go. And so one thing that we always want to challenge you guys to do, and one thing this ministry always seeks to challenge men and women of your age to do, is to live on mission for Christ, to carry the gospel, to be missionaries in the places where God has put you, but also to help you see and fill out opportunities by which you can go and do those things among the nations also. And so I have with me a couple of friends here tonight, Joe and Whitney Flippo, who are going to talk to you a little bit about what it's like to be on mission, to live on mission, to experience things in the mission field. Because our hope and our prayer is, at least mine is, as one of the leaders of this church, is out of the many prayers that I pray over you guys, is that God would call out future men and women who would be sent. People who would go people who would go to the places that nobody else is going to to share the gospel with people that aren't having the gospel shared with them. And you guys are at a pivotal point in your life where so many of you, I feel like, are on the verge or standing next to the edge of receiving that calling on your life, but maybe for whatever reason you have some reservations. And so I thought it would be great to have an opportunity tonight for you guys to hear some first-hand account of a married couple now plugged into our church who have been on the mission field who have gone and served somewhere outside of these walls, somewhere outside of this country, and to hear about what they saw God do, but also to be real about the challenges and the struggles and the reality of what it's like to live on mission to God and give your life to Him, to follow Him at all costs. So, Joe, Whitney, thank you guys so much for being here tonight. Introduce yourselves a little bit to us. How long have you been married? You got kids? You got a family? What do you do for a living? Let these men and women know who you are and what you do.
1: Sure, and just a disclaimer, this is almost my bedtime, so you're just going to have to bear with me if I don't form complete sentences, but um, I'm Whitney, and I had the pleasure of actually growing up in this church, so um, literally, like, was born, like, houses down, and just raised in this church, and so from a young age, this church is pretty much, like, had an emphasis on missions, Um, so I got to be kind of, like, blessed with that, but um, so then I met Joe, actually, in high school here in this church. We weren't in this building. We were across the street over there. Um, but that's when we started kind of yeah, casually dating, I guess you could say. Um, I was very, we were busy, um, but that's when we uh, met, and um, then we got married about eight-ish years ago, um, ish, right? <laughs> and then um, we now have two kids, and then I'm a dentist in the Shoals area. So I went to UNA. I'm, I went to Wilson first, and then I went to U N A. Uh, majored in biology. Um, And I love talking to college students because, like, my four years of college were some of the hardest times in my life. It was just the most stressful, um, but I think that also it was one of the most stressful times for me, but also the time I grew the most in my relationship with the Lord. And one of that reasons is, like, is because of the call that I had to go to the mission field. Um, But then I went to UAB and went to dental school, and so after four years there, we moved back to Florence. And so we've been back here almost four years. Um, And so that's a little bit about me. Joe?
2: I don't talk as much. No, he doesn't. Uh, so my name's Joe Flippo. Um, you know about my kids and my wife. Uh, but I work at the Florence Police Department. I'm a detective down there. Um, kind of a little bit of background to me. My dad was a youth pastor uh, my entire life. Um, i lived all over the South, moved from churches to churches. In 2002, we moved uh, to South Africa, and I lived there for approximately six years until I moved back here to finish out high school, and uh, yeah, I guess we'll kind of break into
0: it. So if any of you have teeth problems, here's your fantastic dentist that we can recommend, and I see some of y'all smiling right now, you got some teeth problems, so you can go hit Whitney up later, I'm just kidding, that was so terrible, I'm sorry, that was so mean, right? Yeah, and if you see Joe, then we need to talk. After the service, after you stop by his office, you can stop by my office and we'll get it straightened out. We all make mistakes, but hopefully you don't run into Joe in the line of work that he does. And so there's a little bit of of info on their story and how they got here. And so we're going to get a little bit further into that. And so, Joe, I'm going to kind of start with you a little bit. You grew up on the mission field for a pretty good part of your younger life. And so, as Joe mentioned, his dad served as a youth pastor for a little bit, and then their family ended up moving to South Africa to go onto the mission field full time. And so, I'm going to let Joe share with you guys a little bit just kind of what that experience was like, because Joe, a lot of these young men, a lot of these young women, I think some of them could be contemplating a call to full time missions. And so, I think it would be great for you guys to lean into kind of the perspective that Joe has of having parents who were on the mission field and what it was like growing up in that kind of atmosphere and the things that they saw, the things that they experienced, the good, the bad, the ugly. So Joe, kind of just walk us through a little bit what it was like when your family made that decision to go and just some of the things that you experienced while you were there, things that you saw God do, but also some of the struggles and the hardships and just the realities of what it was like growing up there during a really a formative time of your life.
2: Yeah, so like I said, it was 2002. Um, at the time, we lived in. Is that really loud? It sounds really loud to me. It's not? Okay. Um, so we lived in Rocky Mountain, North Carolina. Um, and looking back, like, from, remember the time, like, I remember where I was at when my dad, like, brought it up to us. And, you know, if, being a 12 year old kid at the time, like, I mean, this is my parents' calling. And, you know, as a 12 year old kid, I was just kind of a, along for the ride. And I remember standing outside in our driveway. Besides, like, this, this gas grill that we had. And my dad, like, came out of the car. He came home from work. And he was just, like, took me and my older brother, Josh. And he took us and was like, hey, what do you guys think about moving to Africa? And as a 12-year-old kid, and I, I, you know, grew up hunting and, and, and stuff and, you know, around firearms. And I, I don't know why I remember this. But he was like, you know, we could maybe, like, hunt zebras and, like, wild game and stuff. And I, as a 12-year-old kid, I was like, heck, yeah. Let's, like, let's go. And, uh, and and. I don't know why that's my memory of, of of it, but, I mean, I remember the times of sitting inside and my parents, you know, telling us that, hey, look, this is this is where we're at. Um, you know, there was another family uh, inside the church who worked at the church as well, and they actually were called to the mission field as well. Um, from that point, we moved to Richmond, Virginia, through the IMB. You have to serve, like, three months or so where they kind of get, like, a... kind of preparing you to go out to the mission field. Um... Yeah, and just taking up, you know, at seventh grade or so, that's kind of the point where you're like, you're awkward, but, you know, you're trying to, you know, move into that point of, like, being cool, kind of finding your friends and everything. And so it's like, all right, we're just going to disrupt that. And so it's like, hey, we're going to send you across to Africa. And, of course, most people here, has anybody been to Africa? Like, one person. So everybody's seen, like, the sad commercials and stuff on TV that's like, you know, like the real somber music. And that's what, in parts of it where I live, that's exactly what it's like. Um, poverty and, and just, you know, a really low-income place. And so, you know, this is what I'm thinking. Maybe we're going to go out here live in a hut with, like, a straw roof, and, you know, there's going to be wild animals. And I'm going to be like running around barefoot and stuff. Um, not exactly the case, but, you know, so we fly down there. Um, you know, the challenging thing is, you know, we don't speak this language. The area that we moved to uh, was the kind of the eastern coast. It's called a province of KwaZulu-Natal, and they speak Zulu. Um, have you ever seen, like, the movies where they speak, like, really clicky when they start talking? I can't speak it. My parents can. Um, but we moved to one location. We were there for, like, the first two weeks, and we, uh, I didn't know this until I got back, and I spoke with my parents, but, like, just the spiritual warfare of moving to the mission field, something that they were called to, something that they, you know, it's not a, a, you know, I think I want to do this. Like, you know, that's a burden, something that's put on your heart by the Lord to move your family, your four kids to South Africa um, and my father told me this out, you know, after we had, or when I was a little bit older, but it's like something that had happened between another person or the missionary, like from the rip, like two weeks in, an ego problem almost caused us to turn around and fly all the way back to America, um, you know, just from the start. It's kind of crazy, but we lived in this one little town called Newcastle, South Africa. My parents had to do a whole year of language school where they learned the language as good as you can in a year, um, and then we moved to A town called Margate, which is like on the east coast. It's like the beach. I hate the beach, Um, so it really wasn't a a fun, enjoyable time for me. I'd rather be out in the woods and stuff. We moved there, and I lived there until I moved back here in in 2007. But um, I know we're kind of short on time. But the 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 one little thing I'll I'll speak of, you know, some of the you know thing I can remember being plugged in that I got to actually myself uh, be involved in was there's a church that we got plugged into a Baptist church there, and they had a, a, a a ministry called the Genesis Project um, and, the, and the way that this city worked so you have like the, the beach you have nice houses and it will be where predominantly you know the white Indian people uh, people of, of wealth would live and then there'll be a highway probably about a mile long from the beach to this highway and as soon as you cross the highway it's literally like huts clay houses like straight poverty um, and so we were able to to go into these places and we had a, a ministry there called the Genesis Project where it provided services to learn how, like, certain skill sets. I know they had, like, a gym, and, you know, we were able to, to do ministry through that program and develop really good relationships and, 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 and Bible studies that we were able to have there. Um, yeah, you know, I just remember, like, you know, every Sunday, I didn't get to go to a church where I could understand the language. Like, I had, my parents would tag me along, we'd jump in our little car, drive into the, like, four hours into the middle of nowhere, and go sit through a service where I like, knew nothing. Like, they're talking in a language I can't understand. And so it was really challenging like, you know, to try to sit here and, and grow. When this is my parents, something that's on their heart, they can understand what's going on. They know these pastors, and they can you know, sit out here and minister to these people and actually communicate. And when, as a 12-year-old kid, they're sitting here singing songs and having like, really long services, and I don't know anything that's going on. And uh, So that was, that was one thing that was kind of a, kind of a challenge there, I guess the, the language barrier for me.
0: Yeah, I think, um, and hopefully you guys are taking it all in. And trust me, there's way more that that goes into this than what we would have time to cover tonight, obviously with such a huge transitional move. But you talked about some of the ministry that you were able to do there and and how difficult that was, you know, in a very kind of transformative season of your life. You know, that seventh grade, you're trying to come into your own a little bit and you just pack up and you leave everything that you've known to go on to something that's completely unknown. And so just the, the mass difficulty of that is not an easy thing. And so for those of you that are considering, you know, am I called to missions? Is this something that I want to do? Joe talked about how for his parents, that really is a calling. That is a, a true calling. To go and do something to that extent is a true calling upon your life because, trust me, guys, there's no way that you can just pack up and do these things and go thinking, oh, that looked good. Or I saw an inspirational video at church during a missions conference They got me in my feelings about wanting to do missions. So I think I'm going to go to Africa and help the bush people. And then you pack up and you leave off of that inspiration that you caught watching a video at the missions conference at church where everybody was rooting on missions. And you pack up and you go and you find yourself there. And within a week, you're already ready to pack up and come back because it's just that intense. And so I think it's a great point that he made to to understand the spiritual warfare that takes place when you decide to step into that kind of calling. We don't share these things to kind of intimidate you but to make you realize and understand the gravity of the cost that Jesus mentions when he says, consider it if you're going to follow me. Because nobody in their right mind, if they're wise, packs up all these things and just blindly, without thought, without guidance, without discernment, takes off down the road pursuing after me without realizing that it's going to cost you some things along the way. But while you were there, you did get to see God do some good things. And then, you know, you you came back after a few years. So maybe just hit on just real quick what it was like when you came back to the States because your family was still there. You came back here kind of on your own. What What was that season of life like transitioning back here while your family was still there? Yeah, so I was, I
2: was about 17, I think, when I moved back. Um, like I said, I have an older brother. He moved back a couple of months before I did. Um, you know, and living over there, when, when he moved back, he, he's the closest person to me, my, my older brother. Um, we have friends, and, and we go to school and, and do normal things that normal people do. But, you know, that's the closest person to me is is my older brother. And so when he moved back, I was like, hey, I told my parents, like, hey, I, you know, I want to go, I want to go back as well and, and try to, you know, do some different things back in the state. So, yeah, when I moved back, um, I moved in with my grandparents, um, which is, you know, an awesome support system. There's most godly people, um, you know, they both passed away at this point, but I lived with them, and it was probably some of the, the best times of my life, I, I enjoyed it so much. Um, but you know, my family's still in South Africa, I think they stayed over there for another, I think, two years, but it's usually the way with IMB, it's like, you work, you stay there for four years, and then you come back for one year. Um, and then that's when you go to your churches, the people who've been supporting you, and, and speak with them. So, I mean, it was years that I didn't see my parents. Um, and it was really challenging. And to, to be transparent, it's, you know, being on the mission field when that, that's my parents calling. And they're doing everything they can to go out into these places and, and make these relationships. And, you know, I know, I know for them the, the burden is, you know, we came all the way over here. You know, we want to do everything we can to to see lives changed and to 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 do everything. And, and you know, they we kind of got put on the on the backside of that. You know, if we're going to school and doing our things, but my dad doing doing his ministry stuff. And, and you know, we kind of I wouldn't say build a wedge between me and my parents. It just you know they were doing their thing and, and so focused on that that it kind of you know I don't know, I don't know how to I guess some time was lost and like on my relationship with my parents. Um, but then moving back, you know, I grew super close with my, my grandparents. My aunt used to be the children's minister here at the church and loved her to death, and, and she became like my second mother um, and just had an awesome support system. You know, I was coming at the time when Matt Beerhouse, uh, crazy Matt back there, when he first came here, uh, you know, meeting Trey and some of these other people who were, you know, so influential to y'all. And, you know, as y'all have come here to, to UNA, some of y'all grew up here and, and some of y'all you know, move to this area, like, this is an awesome church, and, like, I met my wife here, we got married in this church, my kids are going to the nursery in this church, like, I love this church, don't take for granted the people that have been, God has placed in front of you, Trey, you know, I remember when he started and got, when he was called and started preaching, and it's just awesome to see where he's at now, like, don't take for granted where you're at in the, in the, the, the people
0: that have been put in your lives, and, like, take full advantage of it, man. So, you know, one other thing, just if you guys are contemplating this might be a calling upon your life, then family comes into play. You know, spouses come into play because it's not just you that's going to go. It's everybody that's a part of your family that's going to be impacted by this. And so it's kind of easy to see how Paul talks about in Scripture, better to not be married when it comes to ministry because you don't have all those obligations. Now, he's saying don't ever get married. That's not... It's not a sin to get married, obviously, what Paul's saying. When it comes to doing this kind of ministry, and he was a missionary. He moved from town to town, from city to city, and he said it's much easier to do that when it's just me. And so if you're contemplating this call, you've got to take into consideration that family is going to be involved. And once again, we don't show these things to scare you or to intimidate you or get you to back away from the call, but to take it into consideration and be praying through those things if you really believe there's something that's serious um, could be placed in front of your life that that God wants to use you in that capacity. So, Joe, thank you so much for sharing some of your experience. Whitney, I want to come to you now. You know, right after your college years kind of finished up, and you had an opportunity to go to Kosovo, and so I want you to walk us through kind of that experience because there's a lot of opportunities for these people out there to do something, whether it be over the summer, whether it be over the fall, whether it be over the winter— whether it be over the spring, you guys have opportunities all out in front of you, whether it be through the International Mission Board, like what Joe was talking about, whether it be through the North American Mission Board. There are opportunity after opportunity after opportunity made available for you guys to go and do something similar to like what Whitney is about to talk about. So, Whitney, talk us through your Kosovo trip, kind of what inspired you to go, why would you make that decision, what did you gain from it? Just kind of give us the condensed, season-long <laughs> Time that that was in your life and how it impacted you while you were there?
1: Yeah, so I kind of, um, since I was in college, I got to go on a few like mission trips with this church. So, you know, we had some mission trips that were, you know, shorter, like not very far away, that we did on weekends in high school with Brother Matt. Um, and I think just being in a mission-minded church always kind of had that in the back of my head. And so I think that's how it starts. You start just plugging in where you're at, and then God gives you this burden and says, look, this is, my, like, this is what we're supposed to do. Um, and so then I was able to go to Honduras a couple times during college because um, I didn't know what I wanted to do with my career. And so God just let like, I got to the ability to go to Honduras and help out. Um, with the medical missions, and kind of, honestly, that led me to dentistry, and it's just kind of cool looking back now at all that. I thought it was kind of hard in college, and but just how God kind of aligned everything perfectly, um, and so after my first trip to Honduras, I kind of God just placed this like burden on my heart that I wanted to do something like longer term for more than a week. A week is awesome. You really get to, you know, dig in there, meet people, but then you leave and then you're like, wow, what do I could do if I could go for a month or two months or three months? So I began looking into it and so I was a biology major and so I was trying to figure out how my schedule and you know, you know, y'all know college schedules. They're not the most easy thing to plan, right? And I know it's like a, I don't even know what, they call it now. Is it a four-year degree, five-year degree? Who knows what? It just takes a long time and to organize a schedule perfectly. So I just prayed. I said, Lord, if you want me to go somewhere for like a semester, then please just align my schedule where I can graduate a semester early. And through a lot of like professors helping me out, um, I ended up graduating in December of uh, 2012. And then I ended up leaving to go on the mission field on January of 2013. So I graduated a semester early, and you're like, What's Kosovo? where's Kosovo, and how did you figure that out? That is a really good question. I didn't even know where it was um, before I went there. Um, and the best way to do it is just to Google it, because I'm not really good with <laughs> geography anyway. Um, it's in Eastern Europe, that's about all I got. Um, and so I found the IMB's like, mission website, and there's programs, they have a lot of different programs. They have short-term programs for a couple weeks, They have like month long ones in the summer. And then there was one like for students, like either like during college or right after, where you were there for like a semester. So I just started scrolling through there and I just kind of landed on this one. It was in Kosovo, but it wasn't the country that I kind of landed on. It was because it was an American bakery, like working in an American bakery in Eastern Europe. I'm like, that sounds like it would be. Cool, like that's, and I was a really big baker at the time, not now, but then. Um, and so I just was like, I was just drawn to this. And side note, I was a Spanish minor, so you think I would have gotten into the those, those countries, but for some reason, God just brought me back to this this country and this place. So you apply through them, and I got accepted, and everything just kind of worked out. Um, but. And that everything worked out and perfect. And that's where I just knew. I was like, thank you, Lord, for aligning everything. But I will tell you, when I left and my parents dropped me off at the airport in Huntsville, and I, like, waved and went through security, I have never been as scared in my life. Because I was like, what have I done? I have said I was going overseas to this country that I know nothing about for, like, five months. Because mine was for five months. Um, and so that's how I got to Kosovo. Um, but it was one of the coolest experiences. And I think... You know, when you're out of your comfort zone, you have no one to turn to but the Lord. And so during my five months there, um, just kind of reflecting over it over the last couple days too, I saw God work like firsthand that I just remember going, wow, that's so cool. Like, whoa, he did that. And it's just because I was so in tune with the will of God and like my goal each and every morning was this was my intention and that's what's so cool about when you do like a short term or even a long term missions like trip or like a focus you kind of get rid of all these distractions that we have kind of in our day to day life you know and it's a good reminder for all of us but i thought it was just a blessing to be able that was my main goal of the day and i think college is such a good time to do this because you know, I remember everything in college is about you, right? It's me, me, me. It's like, what's your major going to be? What are you doing to get, you know, to that major? What's your job going to be? And what, how are you going to make the best career? And it's all about like, me, me, me. And I think instead, it's a good time when you don't have those, like, responsibilities. Like, you I wasn't married. I, you know, didn't have kids. I didn't have a job lined up. I didn't have you know, like, plans really yet, that I I was just like, Lord, use a semester, you know, use a summer, use a fall break, or, you know, spring break, um, to really change my life, and for me, it was a lot of, like, surrender, too, because I was trying to go to dental school, and actually hadn't got into dental school, and, like, I was like, where, I, I literally left, and I'm a type A perfectionist, and I left The U.S. saying, "I don't know what I'm doing when I get back. I'm just going to coast it, I guess." You know, but God used those five months to really like fine tune I think me and just change me. And so, what a like blessing that was to be able to be over there. And so, what's cool about the hands-on program is you're actually discipled by like missionaries. So I, my situation was a little unique. So it was another girl and myself, and we. Um, lived we actually lived with the missionary family, so they had five kids and about seven or eight cats. so you talk about culture shock, it was not a new country that was the culture shock for me, it was all the cats. I still remember that um, but it 's just those little things you know, and so I got to be immersed in this family and see how they like you know live in this. Foreign country, and so they, you know, it was it was really cool get, being discipled by them. So every week we were discipled by um, the lady that lived there, and so we actually had a bakery. So that was like a business for, like missions, um, and you probably don't know anything about Kosovo, but it's like 95% Muslim, and so there, um, it's a very like the country's kind of like very. It's kind of a newer country. Like it was only got independence and like. 2008, so a lot of the people, like I said, have a lot of mixed, like, feelings about just a lot of the, the world in general, and so we kind of targeted young girls, and so we were able to just kind of focus on them and have a lot of ministries involved there, um, and so it's, it's just really cool to be able to go and do something like stepping out of your comfort zone, how God will really kind of mold that and just shape that. And I came back with a really, like, cool perspective that I really came back and I was like, well, Lord, if you want me to just not be a dentist, I, wa- I won't. And I'll just open up a coffee shop. But, you know, the Lord wanted me to be a dentist, and he brought that to <laughs> path to, to fruition. But it's just cool when you surrender to go how God's going to use you and really honestly blesses you more than anything. So that was, that was my cool experience in Kosovo. Oh,
0: that's great. And, you know, I, I think it's it's cool to hear that, each and every one of you here tonight you have a passion about something you have a giftedness in some way and there's a reason why you have those specific passions there's a reason why you have that specific giftedness it's what god has placed inside of you to be used for his glory and so whitney at that time had a passion for baking and then lo and behold God provides an opportunity for her to go link up with this missionary couple in Kosovo and work in a bakery. And I know Joe's probably thinking, like, what happened to the baking passion after we got married? Like, where'd that go? Can we bring that back? <laughs> so, But it's cool how in that moment God used that. But setting that up beforehand was the Honduras trip to where you had a passion for possibly going into dentistry. And on that trip, a lot of that is honestly teeth-pulling like our teams that go down there they do medical work they do dental work and a lot of that is just yanking teeth out of people's heads and so Whitney already had a passion for that as well and so God saw I think really he set you up to to see okay Whitney are you going to be faithful with with this small thing and if so then I will bring about this other opportunity in your life where you're really passionate and allow you to step into that as well to where that's what you're doing now as your job and for a career. So with that being said, I think it's a good opportunity for us to to segue into this. And we're gonna come back to this here in a second, but she found an opportunity through IMB and through now. And I'm gonna come back to that at the end because these same kind of opportunities still exist for you guys today. This wasn't something that Whitney found back in her time that the IMB stopped providing. Those opportunities are still there. But you're a dentist now, working full-time, so I'm going to lead with you, and then Joe, I'm going to come to you after this. So tell me, obviously it wasn't God's path, it wasn't his plan for you guys to come together, be married, and then go back to the mission field full-time, you know, internationally. But we talk about the mission field where we're at all the time, especially in this room. So how do you see, how do you see where you're at now, working at the dentist office, working with patients, where do you see missions at in everyday life now?
1: Yes, and so exactly like what I was saying before, that on the mission field, it's almost, I think it's easier on those trips. Because like I said, the distractions weren't there. Um, Joe wasn't there. My family wasn't there. My friends weren't there. But I think that's like a good reminder too, even like to me now, that it's so easy to get caught up in your day-to-day hustle that like I you know, have the same routine every day. But to for me... The one thing I loved about dentistry is that my patients that I come in is they bring in more than their their tooth, right? They bring in a person. They bring in, a, like, their problems, what happened the night before, the week before, what like, their health problem, all this. So it's, like, me slowing down my day enough to, like, really pray, like, Lord, like, open up conversations where, you know— I can talk about something besides teeth. Because we know everybody loves coming to the dentist, don't they? And so I have some real, like, you know, real calm patients all day long. So I use those things. And, like, God opens up opportunities with my assistants. And it's ministering the people around you. Like, I work so closely with the girls each and every day. And it's just making my conversations worthwhile. Not just, that's what I've been really convicted of lately is just not having senseless talk. Because I'm not, I don't like the awkward pauses. And there's a lot of awkward pauses in my dental, like, you know, visit, you know, like me giving you an injection, things like that. So I'll just fill it with, like, little things. And so I try to make that something that's not just, like, pointless. Let's make it more like, you know, speak, like, let me just help to encourage somebody. And I think when you look at your days like that, they don't become mundane, right? Then they're not just something that's, like, boring. Because, yes, we're not all called to be, like, maybe foreign missionaries, but we're all called to have, like, the, like, world, like, global view that, like, You know, there's people even in our community that have never heard about Jesus, or they may have heard of Jesus, but they don't know him and have a relationship with him. And so, you know, we can have that whatever we do and wherever we're at. And so that's my goal each day. Of course, every day it's easy to fall short of that, but that's our goal each day.
0: Absolutely. Talk about a captive audience, too, because they're like, they're in that chair. They're not going anywhere. Like, open mouths lead to open doors. So, Joe, in your line of work, obviously— you know, there are some things that you, that you see that you're exposed to. There are people that you run into that are in just rough situations of life. There are guys that you work with, you know, that, that can be a somewhat a, a, a rough, tough, you know, macho man kind of group. So how do you see opportunities within your workplace, out in the field, you know, being around families, being around people that are, that are in trouble with law? How do you see opportunities there to be missional where God has placed you at now?
2: Yeah, so like I said, I'm a I'm a detective now, so I don't really work the streets like I used to. But a lot, of, I mean, back when I did do that, you I mean you're seeing people at the the worst of the worst. Like you don't, I'm not a fun person to usually come hang around. Like when I'm at work, it's not like like oh I want to go hang out with the, the police officer. I'm usually coming because somebody has done something wrong and or experienced something that's very traumatic or tragic. Um, and it's just you know being an open open ears, just listening to people. These people I have to say whether it be victims or or whatever. Just trying to be, I mean, I guess different, and like you said, I do work in a, a field that's kind of, you know, a lot of guys are try to, like, macho, or a lot of type A, you know, this big, rough and tough kind of guys, or try to be, or I guess try to put that persona on, um, and just being different, and, and being intentional to, to not, you know, fall into, you know, the things of the world, and, and you know, try to have that, you know, when, when something's, really crazy. It's like, hey, why are, why are you the way you are? Why are you acting the way that, that you are? It's just like, because, you know, I don't, I don't have these struggles because, you know, I, you know, I pray about it every day. I say, hey, you know, give me, give me the patience and, and the, the, you know, the things I need to equip myself to, for, for this day. And it's, it's being intentional. Just like, I know Matt had preached on it a couple weeks ago, just being intentional wherever you're at. Like, y'all are in school, y'all work part-time jobs, some of y'all probably have full-time jobs. It's out there wherever you're at. And just being intentional and saying, hey, like, there's someone on your heart, there's someone that you know, and I have guys at work, I have one of my closest buddies, and I've known him for, for years, and, you know, I've been convicted within the past couple months of being like, I mean, you've known this guy for four years, and like, how much talk have you actually had with him? We have conversations, he's willing to have those conversations, and I've just passed it by and passed it by, and, and shame on me for, for just letting that, you know, I'm a, I'm a friend? No. And just, just being intentional on praying about it and say, Lord, you know, open those doors, open that opportunity, like bring a conversation, and, and since I've kind of changed my mindset into that, it's been pretty awesome. Um, in my office, there's like 12 detectives, and um, pretty much 10 and two, and two sergeants, but I've had conversations with nine of those people within the past, you know, couple months, just without, you know, I've been intentional in praying about it, and saying, hey, like, open a door, let me just have a conversation, whether it be like, hey, man, you know, just small church talk, or, you know, where are you going to church, and just trying to kind of see where they're at, and, you know, But it's out there. Uh, One of the verses that i kind of been with me for a long time is, I think it's it's Isaiah 6. I think it's maybe 8. And it's Isaiah, you know, saying, you know, whom shall I send and who will go? And Isaiah says, you know, here I am, Lord, like send me. Like to have that willingness to say, here I am. If you need me to go back to South Africa, then I'll go back to South Africa. If you need me to donate money so this person can be sponsored, then I'm going to send money there. If you need me to go to Honduras, if you need me to go across the street to my neighbor's house, that here I am. Send me wherever you need me. I'm willing to go wherever you need me to go. So
0: So you guys can see, you know, there's opportunities abounding, especially gospel opportunities. And the thing is, we wanted to use tonight kind of as a chance to push the opportunity in front of you to go and do or to sacrifice a season of your life, to sacrifice a summer, to sacrifice a spring, a fall, a winter, you know, to maybe to give that time towards going on mission somewhere. But irregardless of those things is the daily opportunity that you have amongst the people that you're around. You know, Joe talked about how he'd been around this specific guy for four years and hadn't hardly said a word about his relationship with Christ or inquired about his relationship with Christ. And some of you may think, man, four years without without speaking into somebody's life, but if you're not careful, you guys are going to go through a four-year season yourself and turn around and look back and think, man, what did I do for four years on my campus? I didn't have a single conversation while I was there. I never extended a single invitation to somebody to come and be a part of the community that I found while I was there. That's my story. My four years went by just like that, and I looked back and I thought, man, I did not take a single opportunity hardly to point any of my peers, to point any of my teammates towards... Christ. It, college, by, by all accounts, for me, was a wasted opportunity evangelistically. Now, God's so amazing in His grace that He called me to do what I do now, specifically with you guys. And so it's kind of funny, like, God showing His sense of humor a little bit that I missed an opportunity, and He turned it around and gave it back. But the main thing is, we want to say before you, is just don't miss the opportunity. You know, don't put God in a position to have to give a second chance or third or fourth, even though he will, let's not abuse the grace. So see the opportunities that you have set before you because the time is short. And the time is short, not just in your season of life right now, but the time is short between now and Christ coming back. We're closer than we've ever been. And tomorrow we'll be one day closer. And there are people around us who desperately need to know the hope and the love and the grace and the forgiveness of Jesus. And we have that. So let's take it to them Let's share the gospel with them. Hey, this is Trey Mitchell, college and young adult pastor. I just wanted to say thank you for listening. It's our prayer that God uses these messages in a way that challenge and encourage you to live for his glory. If you've never placed your faith in Jesus as your Savior, we would love to help you with making that decision. Just reach out to us through our webpage at underwoodbaptist.org. Be sure to check back in with us next week as we again encounter God through his word here at Life.